0: Okay, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the and Truth Bible Study Voice Room. This is, um, what day is this? April 20th, 2021. This is Alan Nass in Indianapolis, Indiana. And it's a gorgeous day here in Indiana. You know, it comes a time when you just want to put away all the snow scrapers and snow shovels and uh driveway ice and bring out the flowers and all this beautiful stuff for the spring and it's it's so wonderful and if uh, i'm sitting here looking out my window and we have about an inch or two of snow on the ground and (laughs) it is dumping it down heavy right now looks like the middle of january so um Anyway, that's our weather report from Indianapolis. Uh, open your books, uh, open your Bibles to the book of Acts. We're going to work from there now. And uh, let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for those folks who are uh, here to listen to your word of truth. We ask you to bless them and open their ears and open their eyes and their understanding and uh, bless them, and bless the speaker, and bless your words, and may they be the words of truth of your word. We ask you to bless all the members of the body of Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, our head, and our Savior, and our Lord. Amen. <clears throat> okay, this is a lesson on Paul versus the Twelve Apostles. This is part number one of two parts. And I um, ask a question. How many Christians, in quotes, Christians today believe that Paul was one of the twelve apostles? If we were to ask the question, is Paul one of the twelve apostles, which answer do you think would, would win out? Uh, yes or no? If you ask, who replaced Judas Iscariot, how many people would give Paul as the answer? You know, many books have been written about the great apostle Paul. How many of those books contain one of the, one of the paintings of Paul falling off of his horse on the road to Damascus? Well, I don't know if that's true or not, but what this study will focus on is what usually is not written about Paul, the difference between the teachings of Paul and the teachings of the twelve apostles. Uh, so this study has grown into at least two parts. And uh, this study is a part of a bigger study on how there became a separation of Paul's doctrine of the body of Christ and the apostolic kingdom doctrine that traditional Christianity follows today. If, if you're a student of the Bible, how often did Paul come in contact with any of the 12 apostles of Jesus? How much time did Paul spend with any of the 12 apostles? Were Paul and the 12 apostles best friends? Were they like peas in a pod? Well, in my opinion, from the very beginning, Paul was not very well connected with the 12 apostles. Why did the Lord choose Paul? Didn't he already have 12 apostles? Well, we now know that These 12 apostles were reserved for a special calling and a special position pertaining to Israel. If God was going to bless the Gentiles and call out all the fullness of Christ's body apart from Israel, then he would need a separate apostle to perform such a separate ministry. The fact that the Lord converted Paul, or Saul, and put him in the ministry should be a clue that something special was in God's plans. If there wasn't something different going to take place, then why did God need Paul? Paul is his Roman or Gentile name. Saul is his Hebrew or Jewish name. Do you think that Saul was in the crowd of Jews that stood before Pilate and shouted, Crucify him! Do you think that Saul was in the crowd before Peter in Acts chapter 2? What do the scriptures say in Acts 2.14? Look at Acts 2.14. Acts 2.14 says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. Do you think it is likely that Paul was in that crowd on Pentecost? Is it likely Saul experienced the apostles speaking in tongues and hearing Peter's speech about Christ? At first, the Jews in Jerusalem tolerated the apostles and their converts. However, whenever somebody spoke up and blamed the Jews for killing Jesus, the Christ, they were either imprisoned as Peter and other apostles in Acts chapter 5 or stoned to death as Stephen in Acts chapter seven. Think about what happened after Pentecost in Jerusalem when Paul was a zealot. It appears that Paul stood up against everything Peter and the disciples of Jesus preached. The first mention of Saul is in Acts seven fifty eight, at the stoning of Stephen, Acts seven fifty eight. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the young man's feet, whose name was Saul. Saul apparently had a high rank in the Jewish council. Go back to Acts 6, 8, and 9. Acts 6, 8, and 9. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, and the Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. Well, if you go back, way back to Acts twenty-one thirty-nine, Paul tells us where he was from. 2139 in Acts says, but Paul said, I am a man which am a Jew of Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city, and I beseech thee suffer me to speak unto the people. So back in Acts 6-8, talking about them of Cilicia and of Asia, well, that's where Saul was from, Tarsus. Acts, turn to Acts 6:15. 15. Acts 15. And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face, as it had been the face of an angel. And Acts 8, 1. And Saul was consenting to his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the called-out assembly, That was at Jerusalem and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. The apostles never left Jerusalem at that time. As eight and Acts eight three, it says, as for Saul, he made havoc of the called out assembly entering into every house and hailing men and women, committing, committed them to prison. If a guy like Saul, say, Osama bin Laden, was raiding your neighborhood, house to house, looking for believers to kill, what would you do? Would you take your family and head out of town? Many of those Jewish believers did just that. Acts one. Acts one And Saul... Yet breathing out, threatening and slaughtering against the disciples of the Lord, went out unto the high priest. And 9-2, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Have you ever really thought about what kind of man Saul was before his conversion? He was a top-ranking radical Jewish terrorist. In Acts 9.13, Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard many things of this man, and how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And... Here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. Saul became like Nimrod, a mighty hunter of men. Saul was the ringleader of this persecution of the called out ones. This was so serious that it caused many to vacate their homes and to scatter and relocate far away to avoid torture, imprisonment, or death. We have known such people today, which we call terrorists, who kill and persecute and scatter people. So what kind of person was Saul to act this way? He was a bad hombre. Paul made this confession about himself before his captors in in the temple court in Acts 22.3. Acts 22.3. He was captured in the temple. And here's what he said. I am barely a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, the city of Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law and the fathers, and was zealous toward God as ye all are this day. And I persecuted this way unto death, binding and delivering unto prisons, both men and women, also as also the high priest doth bear me witness, and all the estate of the elders." From whom also I received letters unto the brethren and went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. And here's what he said before King Agrippa the second in Acts 26 9. Acts 26 9. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of them saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them, and I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities, whereupon I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests." And here's what he said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.13. First 1 Timothy 1.13, he says, Who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, and injurious. It seems that nobody hated these followers of Jesus more than Saul. The Lord even took Saul's actions as a personal attack on himself. And Acts 9.4, back to Acts 9.4, And he saw fell off his horse. No, and he saw fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto them, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Well, maybe Saul fell off his high horse. But in 9.5 he says, And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Notice back in one, I said that the apostles never left Jerusalem. Imagine how they felt about this Jew named Saul. He persecuted their converts. He ran their converts out of town. And he even had some thrown in prison and put to death. Would these apostles possibly be a little upset? How would we feel about someone who would do such a thing as Saul did to our fellowship? After he was converted, whoever that would be, would would we run to listen to that person preach? Would we immediately embrace such a person? Could such a person be trusted? What if he's setting a trap? Well, on the side, in my opinion, that's what Satan did after the Acts. At first he was ha- having believers persecuted by the Romans and then he used Constantine, a Roman emperor, to set a trap, using a religion to draw the believers into his religious system and to seek safety and, and escape persecution. The Lord chose and converted Saul, who was his most adverse enemy of all the Jewish people. Think about that. Imagine how the apostles felt when they heard that Saul was now also chosen to be a witness of the man he hated. Do you think there were some reservations on the part of the apostles to accept Saul? Do you think there was some hesitancy to embrace Do you think there may have been some jealousy or even hatred? Perhaps they feared that Saul was setting a trap. There's another thing that might be hard for us to understand in this, what happened in Jerusalem. The Lord may have used Saul to scatter these Jewish converts for a reason, to get them out of Jerusalem to be his witnesses in other areas of the world. This may seem to be a cruel way to to us, but God's ways are not our ways. If it wasn't for Saul, these people may have never left Jerusalem. The amazing thing is that Saul traveled around to these same very people in his ministry for Christ and established assemblies by them. Think about that. What was the reaction of the first disciples to encounter Saul after his conversion? Acts 9.10. Acts 9.10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, behold, I am here, Lord. 9.13. Skip down to 9.13 and Acts. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard many things of this man, how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. The Lord had to choose an advocate for Saul who would, repre- would present him to the disciples at Damascus. This took a lot of faith on the part of Ananias, but it must have worked out. In Acts 9:19, 9, it says, "Then Saul was certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus." So, for except for Ananias as his advocate, this probably would have never happened for Saul. What was the reaction to Saul at Damascus? 9:20, Acts 9:20, and straightway he preached. Christ in his synagogues, that he was, that he is the son of God. 21, but all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? Whoa, then the tables were turned on Saul, and Saul got a taste of his own medicine. Go down to 923. And after many days were fulfilled, and that could be three years after many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying awake was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. So the disciples there in Damascus weren't sure about Saul. The Jews wanted to kill the guy uh, for whatever reason. I guess he was a renegade Jew now. And Paul spent three years in Arabia there. So let's look what happened when Saul was escaped from the threats of Damascus and came to, back to Jerusalem. Go down to Acts 9.26. <clears throat> And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed or tried to join himself to the disciples. But they were afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. So the first time Saul returned to Jerusalem, even after three years had passed, they greatly feared him there. Verse 27, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord on the way, and that the Lord had spoken to him, and now he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So who who is this Barnabas guy? How did he know Saul? If you go back to Acts 4.36, Acts 4.36, And it says, and Joseph, J-O-S-E-S, Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite and of the country of Cyprus. Cyprus is an island, remember, and having land sold it and brought it to the, the money and laid it at the apostles feet. Hmm. So Barnabas was the guy back in Acts 4.36 who laid the money at the apostles' feet. Barnabas is one of the disciples. Isn't that interesting that Barnabas was introduced to us in that way, the son of consolation? The meaning of this name is explained here to us for a future reason. The Greek 3874, paraklesis, means consolation or exhortation. A similar Greek word, 3875, the next number, is parakletos, is an advocate or comforter. Barnabas was like an advocate for Paul to the disciples to comfort their fears or exhort them for their fear Barnabas was Saul's second advocate. Now, here's an interesting side note. Joseph, J-O-S-E-S, Barnabas, in the original text is Joseph Barnabas, J-O-S-E-P-H, Joseph Barnabas. Barnabas could be Barsabbas and could have been Joseph Barsabbas, In Acts one twenty three, in Acts one twenty three, he was one of the two chosen to replace Judas Iscariot. Hmm, that's a possibility. In Acts fifteen twenty two, in Acts fifteen twenty two, there was a Judas Barsabbas who was sent to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Judas Barsabbas could be the brother of Joseph Barsabbas. So Judas could have been a brother to Barnabas. This Judas um, went to them went to Antioch. and then John Mark, according to Colossians, was Barnabas' cousin. Um I'll get back to that in a minute that reference. So let's go that's just a side note about Barnabas he laid the money at the apostle's feet. he could have been the same guy that was chosen to replace Judas Iscariot, but matthias was chosen because maybe the Lord had another plan for Barnabas. acts nine twenty seven but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and he had spoken to him and loved and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Can we insert here what Paul wrote in Galatians? Galatians one eighteen. In Galatians one eighteen, Paul said, Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter. And a boat within 15 days, but other of the apostles saw I none save James, the Lord's brother. So Paul was with Peter 15 days in Jerusalem. Boy, would I would like to be a fly on the wall to hear what was going on there. Um, this is the first time Peter met this guy that was killing all of his converts. Whoa. I bet that 15 days was interesting. The only apostle Saul met in Jerusalem was Peter for 15 days. This James was not one of the two apostles by that name. This James is the brother of Jesus and a disciple. My thinking is that Peter handed Saul over to James, who was the leader of the assembly at Jerusalem. Here, James, you take this guy. Acts 9.28, go back to Acts 9.28, and he, Saul, was with them, the disciples, coming in and going out at Jerusalem. So, <clears throat> the question is here, it doesn't say he was with any apostles, he was with disciples. So, the only really apostle Paul ever saw there was Peter for 15 days. So Paul did spend some time ministering with the disciples in and around Jerusalem. Acts 9.29, and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, the Greek-speaking Jews, but they went about to slay him. So now Saul is on the receding side of the hatred from the Jews in Jerusalem as he was in Damascus. Verse 930, which when the brethren knew, they brought him, Saul, down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus, which is Saul's home, Saul's hometown. So the fear of persecution eased because Saul had been converted and he had left the area. As Saul was beginning to stir up the Jews against the called out ones again in Jerusalem. So Saul being now on their side, it seemed as though they were saying, thanks, Saul, but no thanks. Are you trying to get us killed? And verse 931, then had the called out ones rest or peace throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Were multiplied. So things began to settle down in and around Jerusalem after Saul was sent back home to Tarsus. Saul was not only rejected by the Jews, but he was also being protected, but also at the same time being rejected by the disciples. Saul was being way too zealous as far as these disciples were concerned. At first, Saul was a hindrance to the growth of believers because of his reputation. In Jerusalem, Saul was well known as a renegade Jew, and the Jews hated him. But now that Saul had been activated by the Lord, a divine change was about to take place. We return to Peter in his encounter with the Roman centurion, a Gentile named cornelius acts ten thirty four acts ten thirty four Then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation he hath he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And Acts 10.45. And they of the circumstances in which believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentile also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts 11.18. Down to Acts 11:18, when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, "Then had God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life." So now that Paul's been activated, the Gentiles are being included in Acts 11:22. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the called out ones, which were in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas. That he should go as far as Antioch. 1125. Then Barnabas departed to Tarsus to seek Saul. So now Saul was brought back into the picture again by Barnabas. Where would Saul be without Barnabas, his advocate? Verse 1126. When they had found him he brought it into unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves together with the assembly, called out ones, and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. This is Antioch, Syria. And we talked about that word Christian and called Christians last time. Acts eleven twenty nine. And the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which were dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So this was Saul's second of five visits to Jerusalem. After the death of Herod Agrippa I, who had James the Apostle killed, and Peter was in prison. Barnabas and Saul returned to Antioch, Syria. So go to Acts twelve twenty five. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took them with them John, who his surname was Mark. And that's Colossians four ten. It says he was a it says he was a cousin to Barnabas. Now in that verse when it talks about he was a sister's son. My sister's son is a nephew, right? Isn't your sister's son a nephew? Well, I think in the Greek, what it meant was that Barnabas's mother and Mark's mother were sisters, um, so they they would make them cousins. That's just how they said it in those days. So Acts thirteen two. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul for the work wherein I am called them whereunto I have called them. Paul and Barnabas departed from Antioch Syria and went to Seleucia, it was a port, and there they had to sail to the island of Cyprus, into the cities of Salamis and Patmos. Where was Barnabas from? Cyprus. So, now the Holy Ghost became Saul's third advocate, Periclitos, and changed his name to to Paul, which is his Roman or Gentile name to fit his foregoing ministry. So the Holy Ghost said, "Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work wherein I've had them. I have called them." So verse thirteen nine, it says, Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. And Paul and Barnabas went to Persia and then Antioch and Pis- Pisidia. So jump down to verse thirteen forty six. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken unto you, but seeing that you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, return to the Gentiles. So from Acts 13.4 to Acts 14.28, Paul and Barnabas completed their first missionary journey. Acts 14.26 Thank you, Tony. You're doing a good job. Acts 14:26. And thence sailed to Antioch, Syria, for whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. So they made a complete circle from Antioch, Syria, up to Antioch, Pisidia, Iconia, Lystra, and back, all the way back to Antioch, Syria. And when they were come and had gathered the assembly together they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of the faithful to the of faith unto the gentiles At 14:28 and they were abode a long time with the disciples <clears throat> Notice that during these events Saul was with the disciples and not the 12 apostles then in Acts 15, 6 through 29, which you don't have to go there, there is a famous council at Jerusalem on what to require of the Gentiles. Paul and Barnabas bring Titus from Antioch to Jerusalem. As we read Paul's account of this in Galatians 2, we can experience Paul's encounter with the same Peter and James he first met 11 years prior with John also now present here. This is where the distinction between Paul's ministry and Apostles' ministry was established. Paul and Barnabas returned to Antioch for a while, and then they planned to move on. As Paul launches his second ministry journey from Antioch, Syria, Paul and Barnabas separate. Barnabas takes John Mark, his cousin, according to Colossians 4.10, to Cyprus. that's back home, for them, while Paul takes Silas through Syria and Cilicia to Derby and Lystra. Turn to Acts fifteen thirty nine. And then and and the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren. Unto the grace of God. It is apparent that the Lord's purpose for Barnabas has come to a close. We mustn't underestimate the role of Barnabas in the Lord's plan for Paul. What would Paul have done without Barnabas? How would Paul have worked his way into the fellowship of the disciples at Jerusalem? The Jews wanted to kill him. The disciples were afraid of him. Many disciples had a hard time validating that Paul was a true apostle. Some of Paul's epistles verify this fact. So it seems like the role of the Apostle Barnabas was to be the Lord's advocate for bringing forth to the disciples in Jerusalem and also bringing in Paul from Tarsus to Antioch, Syria, to minister to the Jews first. Then the Holy Spirit separated Barnabas and Saul from the other disciples, which took them to Antioch, Pisidia, where they turned from the Jews to the Gentiles for the first time. Then Saul and Barnabas worked worked their way back to Antioch, Syria, where, where a conflict arose. After the conference in Jerusalem, Paul and Barnabas continued their ministry. Barnabas was with Saul on his first three visits of the five to Jerusalem. Eventually, Paul and Barnabas departed asunder, and then Timothy and Luke came in on the scene. At first, the Lord called Ananias, the disciple, to be Saul's advocate. Then the disciple Barnabas, the son of consolation, became Saul's advocate. When Saul's name was changed to Paul at Paphos, he was filled with the Holy Ghost, who became his advocate thereafter. How many know where Paul was when he changed his name from Saul to Paul? He was at Paphos on the island of um, Cyprus. <clears throat> the only one of the 12 apostles that Paul met on his first visit to Jerusalem was Peter. James was not an apostle, but the brother of Jesus, who, had, who was the head of the assembly at Jerusalem. On Paul's third visit to Jerusalem, he met with the apostles and the elders in Acts 15, 6, James, Peter, and John. And seem to be pillars as Paul describes Galatians 2, 9. This is the first time Paul meets with all the 14 apostles, all the apostles 14 years after his conversion. The next time on his fifth and last visit to Jerusalem in Acts 21, 17 through 18, these two meetings were confrontational. At first, Paul worked together with Barnabas and the disciples in line with the conversion of the Jews. But after they turned to the Gentiles, things began to change. When Paul the Zealot separated from Barnabas the disciple and with the Holy Spirit as his advocate, Paul conducted his own missionary journeys without any contact with the Twelve Apostles. The Bible records only two encounters with the Apostles and the elders in Jerusalem, other than the one with Peter at Antioch, Syria, in Galatians 2.11. So to lump Paul in with the Twelve Apostles is misleading at least. Their callings were different. Their ministries were different. And their messages were very different. The ministry of the Twelve Apostles ended at the end of Acts. But Paul was given a second ministry after the end of Acts and continues for us today. So the ministry of the Twelve and their Great Commission will resume in the future. So that's just the part one of the study as we start to begin to separate uh, Paul's mission and Paul's calling and Paul's gospel as, from the, that of the Twelve Apostles. And mainline Christianity just believes they're all together in one group, and that's not the case at all. And what we're going to see is either even a clearer separation between Paul and, and the apostles, and especially after the ending of Acts, I think a lot of Paul's writings and warnings were to the very people uh, that were being taught by the apostles. And you're going to see where Christianity grew out of this difference and became a religion and had nothing to do with the body of Christ. Anyway, that's that's the end of my lesson for the day. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, uh, lesson today. We thank you for uh, the truth that you give us. We're thankful to be perfect in your Son Jesus Christ, and in His name we pray. Amen.